And like I said before, when we did the last reading, uh, one of them is covered automatically in doing um, when you aren't trying to murder your neighbor, adulter, cheating on your neighbor, stealing from your neighbor. All those are wrapped up in love your neighbor as yourself. So you can cover many of them with just that one. And then many of the others can be covered with the one of loving the Lord and putting him first. Um, and Jesus says to me, you, and he said to him, you've answered rightly, do this and you will live. Those are the commandments basically that Jesus are, is saying that we need to follow that lived on from the Old Testament as good tenets to follow in our faith, even as red letter Christians. But he wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So um, this um, breaks down um, breaks down color lines for one thing and lets us know who our neighbors actually are. Because he could easily say, oh, it's your Hebrew brothers. Those are your neighbors. Or you could say anyone in the world is your neighbor. Or you could say only men are your neighbors or only rich people are your neighbors. So he's saying, well, who's my neighbor? Who is it that I have to uh, love just like I love myself is what the man is asking him. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. So basically um, in the parable Jesus is giving him, someone um, was mugged. They were traveling and were robbed. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Um, the priest here, I think, is an example of the religious community in this parable, how they'll notice an injustice. I mean, this is definitely prevalent now. They'll notice something that's terribly wrong, whether it's um, corruption based on so-called capitalism where uh, it's okay to keep giving money to the rich and nothing to the poor and say nothing. He's saying that's basically the religious community willing to see an injustice and still walk past it. Um, likewise, a Levite, when he uh, arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. So this, again, is another religious authority figure. Um, they're separated in the Old Testament. The Levites had certain duties um, in the Old Testament, and the priests had other duties in the Old Testament, but both were basically religious leaders. And notice how for one person's religious belief and duties, they saw fit to walk right past the injustice and do nothing. And for the other person's religious convictions and their beliefs, for all of their beliefs, they still saw the situation, walk by, and did nothing. Um, but they still considered themselves godly and holy. You can see how that relates in society now and probably forever that it's always been that way. Um, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. So here you have the Samaritan, which are basically looked down upon because they're separated. It happened in the Old Testament when the tribes were split up. Tribes, basically, there was a patriarch, Abraham, who had... Um, descendants, and they broke, basically broke down into 12 tribes. One of the major tribes was the tribe called Judah, basically the king line where King David came from and over um, that area. And then all the other tribes had their regions and areas too. But then after um, Solomon died in the Old Testament, they broke off from his family line, sort of like the same way the Muslim faith has the people who who believe um, uh, that the family line of their prophet 
is the faith that you should follow and the others believe that it's others who pass down the message in their faith who you should follow. Similarly, it's happened with them. Um, so that's what Jesus is talking about here. And the Samaritans were the ones that went a different way and they um, are separate from the other lines, but um, they're also looked down upon, but those are the ones that actually took compassion on the person who was robbed and in need um, and went to him and bandaged him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. You can imagine that not happening nowadays. You People step over people who are homeless, and um, even, even if you don't realize that you're stepping over them physically, literally walking over them on a sidewalk, you're creating their situation and walking over them when you, um, for instance, vote for situations that are going to continue to keep people who don't have. And it's fine if you feel like you don't need to have um, Obamacare or um, choices when it comes to health care. That's healthcare. That's fine, just like the anti-vax movement. If you feel like you don't want to take part of vaccinations, but it's not fine that you inflict that on other people who actually need those things. Um, that's not a kosher thing to do. But you see what happened there, not the religious people who stopped to see uh, what the person in need who was in the streets and um, and who had been robbed needed. It was the Samaritan who's looked down upon, who actually took him the extra mile, even getting him a place to stay and making sure he was taken care of. You could imagine that not happening nowadays. So um, which of the three do you think Oh, um, I skipped one. Sorry. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Excuse me. So the Samaritan's heart was generous enough that not only did he turn around, turn aside from whatever it is he was doing with on his normal day's business, to take care of the person, bandage them, and put them up someplace, put him up someplace. But he even gave him a tab with the place and said, whatever more you spend, he's going to pay that. You can imagine that not happening nowadays. It's crazy. Um, but Jesus, that's the example that Jesus gave of what's happened to the, um, the uh, man who was um, robbed. He said, "Who? okay, so, when, so which of the, these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves. So he's answering the man's question with a question asking him, well, you asked me, well, who's your neighbor? So basically, who is it you have to respect? Who is it that you have to love and treat as yourself? Who, what kind of person is that that you should, which person should you consider your neighbor? Who are you calling a neighbor? And he said, he showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So Jesus is saying there, your neighbor is anyone in need. That's who you're supposed to love as yourself. And if you wouldn't want to see yourself sleeping under a bridge or not having um, health care, and even if you're willing to not have health care for yourself because you protest government taking part in um, in um, your personal affairs, then one, you'd be very much alone since many big corporations get subsidies. We call them subsidies to protect pride, but actually they're actually a welfare, billions of dollars in welfare 
for corporations in a situation where we're supposed to be capitalists, that means survival of the fittest. If your business can make it on its own, then it can make it on its own, supposedly, in capitalism. That's not what's actually happening. Um, so it doesn't make sense for you to um, say that I care about God who I can't see, but you don't care about your neighbor who you step over in the gutter because that's where they're forced to live now. It doesn't make sense. So Jesus is saying that's who his neighbor is. It's anyone in need. It's anyone. Now it happened, so as they went, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed them into her house. Um, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So um, this Mary and Martha, um, well, it'll probably explain it. I'm pretty sure they are the sisters of Lazarus who he raised from the dead, because those are his sister's names here also, but it may not mention it. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Never tell her to help me. So um, she's saying she doesn't think it's fair for um, for her, because like I said before, and if you could read throughout the Bible, as far as how genealogies are listed only by the sons and the males. Similarly, it's a patriarchal society and a lot of religions now are very much male-oriented and societies are based on what's best for the male. And um, so similarly here, she feels like she's being left with all these duties that are generally old school expected of women to do. And she's saying, tell her sister to help her. Um, basically make her conform to the um, expectations of her gender role in society. I mean, it's very similar similar to what happens now, um, in, not just in Christianity, um, but in other religions where women aren't allowed to drive or, or um, certain things are just expected of you if you're a certain way. And that reminds me of how, though, um, just to think a quick side note, that if you're ever interested in breaking up some of your own um, stereotypes of what different religions are, it surprised me to find out that of all the religions um, and of all the countries in the world where someone transgender can actually change on their birth certificate what their sex is after um, after they have the surgery, it's actually a Muslim country. In fact, it's the very conservative Muslim country of Iran. And you can look it up yourself on, um, if you want to look it up online, there's a documentary about it called um, To Be Like Others. And it goes into how um, they actually state sponsor the sex change and um, will actually change your gen gender um, to your new gender on your birth certificate, which not, I don't think any other countries will do that. Um, if so, it's very, very recent since they do start to do that. And it's just something you wouldn't expect since you, when you think, at least when I think of um, the Muslim faith, it's a very strict and uh, rigid way, uh, I think of it as having a very strict and rigid way of teaching, um, but only in general sense, because I know everyone who's Muslim is not willing to blow themselves up or blow up other people for their beliefs, just as there's lots of Christians who uh, have, who claim to be Christians and have these public shootings here in this country. So it's not like one uh, religion, because it's the religion that's causing them to do these things, not actual um, genuine faith and goodness, but it's the religion that drives them to those things. But um, I just thought it was interesting if you want to check it out, how you can't just stereo 
stereotype a whole group of people. Um, so that's basically she's saying, force her to do what women are supposed to do and tell her to help me serve. And Jesus answered and told and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. So he's saying, okay, you're occupied. You've got your hands full. You're doing a lot of stuff there. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So he's saying, you're busy with life. You're handling all these duties that are expected of you, which, hey, good for her. But he's saying the one thing that's really needed is the pursuit of the gospel and hearing what Jesus has to say about things. He's saying that's the one thing that's needed. And that's the one thing that her sister was focused on. And he's saying that's the one thing he's not going to take from her. So he didn't tell the sister to get up and start helping her serve and to focus on taking care of the men in the house and to focus on fulfilling your societal duty based on what um, societal norms are. He said, no, pursue the gospel. That's what you do. Keep listening to me and I'm not going to take it from you. So that ends this reading. And I hope that it was a blessing for you and that you will join me again for the next one. God willing, Saturday night, we'll um, pick up where we left off in um, in Mark. And God willing, next Wednesday sometime, we'll pick up here where we left off in Luke. And like I said, I just realized that that was a rereading. But uh, along the way, I realized that was a rereading one we'd already went over, but I feel like there were a couple of new things there that I forgot to go over when we read it before. So maybe again, that's how it's meant to be. God bless you and peace. And thanks for listening. Peace.